one of the strange things when I do the prayer of confession and roll right into the sermon is that maybe there's not a delineation, but we're moving into the sermon. Last week I was in Palm Bay and it was really cool because they have, uh, they have a, like speakers and TV and stuff. Absolutely, man. Thanks, Rob. Um, and so I got to see the bumper video for the first time. It was a really good video. I would, I would recommend going and watching it because it really just talks about, hey, what are we doing in this time in Proverbs? We're fighting for joy. Even as we look at these particular sins of envy and lust and gluttony uh, and, and, and all of these seven follies that we would run after, our hope is not that we would see those things, but that we would see Jesus. That we would see what does it look like to live a life that walks in the righteousness that Christ has purchased for us. That walks in the fear of the Lord as the, the wise men of Proverbs write over and over. And so this morning, we press into that. We look at what Christ has done to enable us to walk in that wisdom, to walk in a way that would honor God and serve Him. Because that's what this story is about. The story we tell every week is first and foremost not a story about us. It's a story about who God is and how great is our God. That's why often we sing songs that start with, Who is God? Oh, great is our God. That's a great one that we sing often. We want to remember that. And then in light of who God is, how do we live? How do we act? What has He done to change us? Like I said, last week I was in uh, Cross Point Coast Palm Bay and I had the opportunity to share there and to see that, listen, what we're doing is being the church for the sake of the county with right now three different congregations, one that meets in Pineda, one in Palm Bay, and one here. And that has its own particular uh, struggles, its own particular identity issues, and yet it's beautiful that we can see ourselves outside of just this small pavilion and say, no, we are the church united with the body of Christ together as ambassadors of Christ. And that's throughout Cross Point Coast. That's throughout the Big C Church, throughout the world. Like there are people that are declaring the same good news all over the world today. And so we get to gather and do that. And I, I had the opportunity last week to do it. I'm thankful for Chris preaching here last week. Man, I listened to the, the sermon last night and uh, just truly blessed as he talked about pride and how pride is just is, is that baseline underneath all of these things that we're talking about. Listen, if we have a right understanding of who God is, we have no choice but to walk in humility. And so thankful for uh, Chris preaching last week what God is doing here and how He's raising us up. And sometimes we get distracted. We forget that God's doing this deep, long work of sanctification. We get impatient. We should say, we say we've been doing this for a year. Why aren't these tables full, right? And yet God's doing this deep work in our hearts. And He's sending people out to be ministers of that gospel throughout the world. This morning, we're going to look at um, how God has been gracious and kind to us in Christ. And maybe this morning you're wrestling with that idea. Maybe the circumstances of your life have caused you uh, to be blind to His goodness. Or, or maybe it's not like a complete blindness, but it's a stigmatism, right? It, you're not seeing it clearly. And so our hope is that every week when we gather, and, and any time throughout the week when we gather, we would be able to see Christ clearly, to see what God has done, and that that would be what changes the way that we live. 
pray today we'd see Him for who He is, that we'd remember and rejoice in His provision for us, even as we talk about envy and looking at the way that God maybe has, well, our perception that God has provided for others and not for us. No, let's see today that God has provided everything that we need. There's no reason to be envious or jealous because we have Christ. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to be in Proverbs 23. But I'll tell you that we're also going to parallel in Proverbs 2. So maybe you have some quick fingers on your apps, um, and you can go from Proverbs 2 to Proverbs 23 real quick. But we're going to begin in Proverbs 23. We're going to look at verses 15 through 18, and we're, we're talking about envy this morning. We have one more week. Uh, Pastor Justin's going to come and preach here next week. Super excited about that as we close out our time in Proverbs. And then the, the plan is to, to get back into Mark soon, whether that's in August or September. I'm not sure yet. We're, we're still trying to feel some of that out. But to, to go back to Mark, to look at Jesus and how he walked all of these things that we're, we're saying we need. Like Jesus walked without lust. He walked without gluttony. He walked and enjoyed all of the good things of God without making those idols what he would worship because he knew who God was. And so we're going to be back in Mark soon, excited about that. This morning, Proverbs 23, verses 15 through 18, as we continue this sermon series, Fight for Joy. Read along with me. It says, My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Amen? Let's pray. God, we thank you that even as we've already put an emphasis on the idea that your word is being preached throughout the county, it's being preached throughout the state, it's being preached throughout uh, the world. God, we pray that there would be people today that would hear the good news of Christ for the first time and it would change everything. God, and we would ask that we would partake of that today, Lord, that hearing your word would change the way that we're living for your glory and for our good. So, Lord, today, would you uh, give us ears to hear and eyes to see? God, will we not just hear a good word, but will we hear uh, a word that would transform the way that we live, think, and speak by the power of your word and through the power of your spirit for your glory? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're just going to kind of break this up into uh, a couple different portions. The first portion is the first two verses. Uh, go ahead and turn to Proverbs 2 because we're going to look at that. It's a, it's a lengthy passage. Um, but we're looking at it in light of verses 15 and 16 in Proverbs 23. Verse 15 and 16 is the father speaking to his son and he's saying, Hey, son, if you will, if your heart is wise, you're going to make my heart glad. And I've put some emphasis on Solomon and how he's written many of the Proverbs and he writes them to his son who's going to lead after him. But more importantly, this scripture has been preserved for us by God himself, who is the father who's writing to us as sons and daughters. So we need to hear this word to us today. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. My inmost being will exult when your lips speak what is right. What does that look like? What does it look like 
When my lips speak what is right, when my heart is wise. Well, it looks like Proverbs 2. So in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 11, it says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of, in, of justice and watching over the way of His saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Man, as we read that, is that not what we long for? Like, we want to be people that would walk like that. That would walk in that kind of contentment. That kind of relationship with God the Father, who is the, who's our shield, who protects us. That we would walk fearing Him and honoring Him and glorifying Him in everything that we do. Understanding His truth. That we would image Him to a world that needs to see Christ that needs to see the loving kindness of God, the God who is rich in mercy, that we would be reflections of His wisdom and truth in a world of lies and folly. This is a beautiful picture of what right, right relationship with God looks like. I imagine that all of this is exactly what Adam and Eve were experiencing in the garden with God. Like in His perfect creation, they walked with Him, they had all of this understanding, they knew Him, they feared Him rightly. This is where it began. And this is the promise of where it's going to end. Like if we get to be with Jesus in the end, which is what He's promised us at this marriage supper of the Lamb, then we're going to walk in the same way if we are in Christ. We're going to experience all of this perfectly. So our hope then is in this, that we would walk with God like this. This is our promised hope and joy. That's the good news. That's, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful picture that we've painted this morning. We've got some ugly that we've got to walk through. Verse 16 in chapter 23, sorry, verse 17 says, Let, your, let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Why do we envy the sinner? Listen, this is, this is true of us. Sometimes it's blatant, sometimes it's really subtle, but we have this, this idea in our hearts that if I just had this other thing, I would be satisfied. And often it's an envy of our neighbor. Proverbs 2, he, he continues on and he's talking about what it looks like to be envious of the sinner. Proverbs 2, 12 through 15, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and de delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Listen, this is the world that we live in. A world without Christ walks like this. And we've walked like this outside of Christ. We continue to war with this and struggle with this even as we look to Christ for our sanctification, for this, 
this change and transformation, this conforming to His image and His way of thinking. We wrestle with this. This is what we're talking about when we say fight for joy. It is a fight. We have an inner spirit, uh, this inner sin that would want us to walk in this way that we see in Proverbs 12 through 15. I think of the psalmist and Psalm 37, 1 and 2 says this. He says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. In our confusion, in our, in our forgetfulness, really. Because Christ has given us everything that we need. God has given us His Word and we can remember. But we forget often. And then we look to our neighbor and we're like, man, that guy's got every cool toy. Why can't I have any cool toys? We think about what they have. They have a great relationship with their children. Man, my, my relationship with my children is messed up, even as Noah. Hey, Noah, what's up, buddy? Pay attention over here. <laughs> right? We all have this. We all want these things. And, and so because we live in this world and we live in this culture, it's so pervasive that it influences everything that we think and do. I appreciate Chris last week in his sermon on pride, talking about how that pride, this idea that we deserve more than we have, kind of influences the rest of, of our sin, the, the greed. So many times we function in greed out of pride. We function in lust out of pride. We function in gluttony out of pride because we think that we deserve those things. It's true of envy also. It's interesting, Pastor Sam Storms ties envy to pride in his biblical study on Proverbs. He says this, Envy is a resentful awareness of an advantage enjoyed by another. But why does this evoke re resentment in us? Why not joy? Because we don't want others to appear better than ourselves. Well, we think we are more worthy of that advantage than they are. Why? Because of pride. Yeah, it's... it's it's woven into the fabric of our society, into our homes, into our families. We want to be proud of our, our family. We want our family to be the best. And so anything that would contradict that, we, we rise up in pride or we go and look for ways that we can be satisfied and that our family can be better and, and, and those types of things, that our nation could be better. There's a ton of national pride. It's a great point that Chris was driving home when he, when he quoted from James 3, 14 through 16. And, and we see that there's this, this mesh of pride and envy, pride and jealousy. It says this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. We see it. We don't have to look any further than, than around our own lives and see that jealousy and pride destroy. They destroy families. They destroy our peace. They destroy our, our time. We strive and we spend so much time trying to get what someone else has rather than resting in what we've been given. And so we are ungrateful. Ungrateful. 
pride and jealousy are linked and both are subtle. You see, one of the issues that we have is that due to our indwelling sinful nature, we don't see what evil is. We don't see evil for what it is. It's just been enculturated into us. It's camouflaged. Some military folks here. So camouflage, we know what that is. It's this mixing, this blending in. You don't even see it. Blends into our culture, both our context of American culture and even our context of Christian culture. Just, it's the scheme of the devil. And the devil's a liar. He would want us to believe these things. And so today, in our fight for joy, we press into truth. What do we have? What have we been given? Just a few ways that we get caught up in this. We might uh, buy into the lie. Our society teaches us that we have to keep up with the Joneses. And maybe for you it's not the Jones. But there's this, there's this neighbor that you have that you have to keep up with. That, that if they succeed, it makes you look like you're not succeeding. And so we have to keep trying. There's this American way of competition, excessive competition that can fuel our jealousy and it drives us always to be better than our rival. You think that that's not true? Look at the amount of uh, money and time and effort that the sports industry in America makes. It's because we all have this competitive... And I'm not saying that competition in and of itself is wrong. I'm saying that if I have to be better than somebody else, if I need something outside of what I've been given, and I'm going to strive and make that my ultimate goal, then we're wrong. Then we're wrestling in sin. And there's so many advertisements where some guy's mowing the lawn, and he looks over this hedge, which is a whole different sermon. That There's hedges between every household. So we won't get into that. But he looks over the hedge and he sees what the neighbor has. And that advertisement is saying, hey, you need that thing. It's perpetrate. It's, it, it's increasing this lie that we believe. I don't need that other thing. We're going to see what we need and that we have it. But that's the lie. Listen, just to bring this home, there's a lie that, that I struggle with, that I fight with, even as a church planter. Like, you're like, man, but you're doing what God's called you to do. Yeah, and I'm struggling with sin. And we're going to continue to struggle with sin. And we get to do it together and remind each other of what it is. But listen, there's a lie that I believe often, that, that there's this jealousy that sneaks in. Man, if we could just have a building. And then I, think, then, then I see people walk in from the park God, thank you that we, don't have a, that we don't have walls in this building right now. Right? Now, one, I think, I wish we had AC. Right? Still working through that one. Okay? But comfy chairs, a large congregation, cool graphics, audiovisual, all that stuff. That's a lie that I feed myself. But it's also a lie that we feed each other, even in Christian culture. Right? The simple act of comparing what we have and are to what others have and are is so often driven by envy that we don't even see it as wicked and sinful. We just see it as life. There's other times where envy is very clearly present and we can all say that's wrong, that's wicked. 
Think of the, the tearing down of someone's home as, as we want them out, so we raise the rent. And then we level their home and we build something better, and that's this envy, this greed that's driving everybody. I think of how many wars have been started over envy. You have something that I want, and so we're going to come over and we're going to take it from you. Whether that's oil or diamonds or slavery. right? Maybe it's the actual people that we want. Listen, envy can look really bad, and we can all say, man, that's awful, but it can also, we can completely unnotice it. It can go completely unnoticed. But both lead to destruction. Envy and jealousy, they destroy us. The lie is similar to the other sins that we've looked at, lust, greed, and gluttony. It's fueled by pride, but in the end, it gives us no satisfaction. No joy. Because there's never enough. Envy is never satisfied. Jealousy is never quenched. All this leads to is despair and destruction. Proverbs 14.30. It's amazing. It's all here. Proverbs 14.30, a tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Listen, we're not just talking about in our minds and in our hearts. We're talking about even our bodies will deteriorate as we chase after this other thing, not satisfied in what we've been given, but looking at our neighbor, at our enemies, at our friends, trying to to keep up, trying to get what they have because we think that that will be what satisfies us. Okay, that's the bad news. I told you it was going to be a little rough, but we made it through. Now look at 18. Surely there's a future and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, this is how he talks. This is how the wise man delivering this wisdom to his son finishes. And he says, surely there's a future and a hope and you will not be cut off. You see, this future that we have, this hope that we have, that the wise man is talking about is the hope of a Savior. One who would come and walk in perfect wisdom. Right? Proverbs 2 that we were looking at, 1 through 11, man, that looks like somebody that has right faith, that has right understanding of who God is. And Jesus has come, and He knows the Father, and He walked in perfect unity with God. On this earth, through the same temptations, through the same alluring uh, idea that maybe He could have better, as He had no home, as He had no place to lay His head, as his disciples were not the brightest, like we can be honest about that, they continued to argue right up until the very end, not knowing what he, what, who he was and what he was doing. Again, like I say every time I make that accusation of the disciples, that is good news for us, because we are not the brightest. You might think we are, but if God could use disciples like he had In his time on earth, he can use us too. And so we rejoice in that. But this is the hope of Proverbs. They look forward to. This is the hope for us today as we look back and see who Christ is and what he's done. We believe the truth. We have one who has fought for joy for us. That's the best news I can give you today. When we talk about fighting for joy, we have one who has fought for joy for us and given it to us. Hebrews 4, 14 and 15 say this, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We saw this in the beginning of Mark when 
Satan comes and he tempts Jesus. Right? And he's tempting him with things that we would be envious of. Power, control, even good food, right? As he's starving and he's been fasting. But Jesus knew who he was. He knew that he was the son of God. He had just been told, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so he holds fast to that identity. We must remember who we are in light of Jesus. This means that we operate on a different set of rules. Listen, if there's one thing that you can take from today that I think would be super helpful for us, it's this. We operate on a different set of rules. We operate on a different playing field. We, we cannot compare and contrast ourselves with this world because we weren't made for this world. We are not of this world. We cannot compare and contrast ourselves I don't know if anybody else ever had the t-shirt. I had it when I was growing up. N-O-T-W. It was really cool. It wasn't all that cool. I just, just caught up in it. But it, N-O-T-W, what it stood for was beautiful. Not of this world. Not of this world. Like the things that would drive us, that would allure us, should not allure us because we were made for something different. We were made for a satisfaction that we find only in Jesus like Chris talked about last week, we're aliens, we're exiles. And because of that, we have no basis for comparison. That's key. Like, we can't sit here and think, if only I had that, because that's not what I've been promised. I've been promised Jesus. And yet we're constantly tempted to try. But being transformed by the gospel doesn't mean that you immediately get it. It's this process that we walk through of remembering and forgetting and remembering and reminding each other. And God's given us His Word and He's given us His Spirit and He's given us the church to do that together with. You see, I think this is what Paul is talking about in Romans 12 when he says that we're being transformed and conformed, right? The transformation of our minds. What does this mean for us? Like, that's great. That's who Jesus was. What does that mean for me? Well, we walked we walk through Mark, but before that, we walked through Colossians 3. Four short, short verses there. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. If, you, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. You see, all of Scripture goes together. All of it's telling the same story. This gift that we have in Christ. We no longer need to look to the things of the earth, but we look to things above where Christ is seated. Listen, if I'm looking at my neighbor and what he or she has, and being envious, and I'm not looking to where Christ is seated. I'm not looking to things above. But if I'm looking to things above, then I can rejoice that they have some semblance of joy in this life, hoping that they would have eternal joy forever in Christ. Changes my perspective. Aiken, in his commentary on the Proverbs, exalting Jesus in Proverbs, says this, Again, there's a temptation to be jealous of prosperous, wicked people, in such a way that you copy their actions. What is the antidote? The antidote to jealousy is contentment in the Lord. What is the motivation for this contentment? The future reward of eternal life is the motivation to be content in the Lord. Again, you must have an eternal perspective. In light of eternity, 
If you fear the Lord, you will experience eternal blessings. In contrast, the wicked will lose everything that they have. Listen, before we jump from there, we have to at least acknowledge that all of this is fading. There is a reward that we will all receive. We will either receive Christ, which is the best eternal reward that we could ever get, or we'll receive destruction and judgment. There will be a reward for everyone. Listen, if that's true, then my talking to my neighbor needs to be shaped by that. It cannot be, oh, well, that's cool. I love your new, I know, I love your new toy. No, man, I hope you're not looking to that for a satisfaction that you can only find in Jesus. And maybe it's not blatant, right? Maybe it's not just like boom, 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 but maybe it's got to come to a point where you are going to talk like that. Where you're going to address that issue in their life because otherwise you're celebrating while they go to their eternal reward, which is where they lose everything. But for you today, the call is to remember what you have in Christ. Remember how He has fought and won joy for us. You are a son or a daughter of the King. That's your identity. That's got to change how you live. Instead of looking at what our neighbors have or we don't have, we must remember that we have Christ. We have the blessings that He's bestowed upon us. Some of those blessings are Romans 8. He talks about if you are an heir with Christ to the throne, you have an inheritance that cannot be stripped from you. That no matter what, that will not change if you are in Christ. He goes on, Paul goes on in Romans 8, and he talks about the love of Christ that you have that's secure for the believer and how nothing can separate us from it. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus. The love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, we don't need to be envious of our neighbors because we have God. And He's made us into His image. Like it says in Genesis 1, you are an image bearer of God. That's who you are. In Matthew 6, we don't need to be envious of our neighbors and their, what they, their shiny toys, their new cars, because we've been given, we've been bequeathed a better inheritance. One that will not fade or rust. One that won't be destroyed like everything else in this world. Son and daughter, there's no need to envy your enemy and their wealth because what you have been promised can't be purchased. That's the best news. Like what you've been given, you didn't earn. <laughs> so you can't, it can't be taken away from you. you. It's been lavished on you by the gracious one. Ephesians 2, Romans 5, it's by grace you've been saved. It's a gift. How do we fight for joy when we're faced with the foolish choice of being envious or jealous? We remember who we are in Christ. Listen, a couple calls. Maybe today, this is the first time that you've heard. Maybe it's the first time you've actually heard. Some of us have sat in services before or, or sat under teaching or had, had the Bible in front of us and we, we've heard but we haven't heard. But maybe today is the first time you've actually heard that this is the good news for you. You've seen and experienced how hollow and how unsatisfying this world and the things that it has to offer are. You've been left with nothing but dust and ashes as you've pursued all these shiny golden things. 
I'd invite and call you to repentance and belief today. You see, repentance is this turning away of the pursuit of yourself and what you want. And it's a surrendering to the pursuing God who is coming after us, who's done all the work to save us. And so we rejoice in that today. We repent and turn away. We believe, we taste and see that the Lord is good. We see His goodness towards us and the best form of that goodness is His Son, Jesus, who came and paid the price for sin and for death on our behalf. He paid a price that we could not pay. He died a death that we could not die and He's given us a life and a peace that we did not earn or purchase. That's the good news for us today. We've earned righteousness. We can walk in righteousness because of His defeat of sin and death. Today, through the finished work of Christ, you have the offer of life. That's the good news. Guess what? It's the same news for those who are in Christ today. Today, you have life. Today, you have Jesus, Christ, everything that you need in Him. We fight for joy the same way, whether we're hearing about it for the first time or this is, you know, thousands of times that we've heard this. We fight for joy the same way. We believe, we repent where we have run after other things. God, we're so foolish. And we remember, God, you've given me everything. Who am I that you would love me? Habakkuk 3.18 says, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Today we remember that. God has saved us. We remember who Christ is, His glorious and triumphant gospel work on the cross. We remember the truth of who we are in Him. So today, let us remember, trust, believe, and obey Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen.